0: Hello, this is the Science Fiction and I am Andrew Holding. Today I am joined by Will Thompson again. Hello, how's it going? So he's come back after his jaunt here last week, we just couldn't get rid of him. And we're going to be doing something which I think is a first for Broadcast Radio. We're going to be doing our, sort of grudge match, but instead of DJing our favourite tunes, we're also going to be linking them into our favourite TV movie scientists, or TV or movie that is. Um, so, does not what you think as we go along, you can tune in on... Twitter at Think Outreach or on our f- Facebook page, which is Facebook.com/thinkoutreach, and um, you of course can uh, contact us through the player on the um, website. So let us know. This is our first song, and um, try and guess what the scientist is we're referring to. <laughs>
1: to the feet. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Businessmen, they drink my wine. Flymen, dig my earth. None.
2: Point two. camfm.co.uk Your station, your CamFM
0: Hello and welcome back. I'm Andrew Holding and again I'm joined by Will Thompson. We haven't thrown him out of the studio yet.
3: Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be here until Andy kicks me out.
0: Yeah, well, I think he might be living here now. Um, so yeah, we got one person to guess... Cr- well, we may have had two people but somebody has written in a language our computer can't cope with and it's appearing as... It could be encrypted. It's, I, I blame Unicode. And, uh, but the person who we can get the name from is Senko, I think is how you say it, from Croatia, and she guessed correctly that we're going to be talking about Gaius Baltar from Battlestar Galactica.
3: That would be he guessed correctly.
0: He? Yes. Oh, I don't know my Croatian names, apologies. I- I'm sure I'll get fine with it. Um, so yeah. So Gaius Baltar, uh, for people who don't know, was the scientist in the reimagining of Battlestar Galactica, I don't... F- there was a similar character in the original one but I didn't watch it and I don't think he was a scientist I think he was just so, he's just who sold out the Colonius um I quite like him as a scientist not necessarily as a person because I think he's a really different portrayal of scientists he's sleek he wears nice suits he's trendy and um, yeah he, the things I don't like about him is he's a bit of a narcissistic womanizer
3: yeah he's not actually a very nice man like he's... he's incredibly smart but completely flawed by it he's he's so used to get, getting everything his own way I guess you know this is sort of the, the curse of a genius or something and yeah he's just a really horrible person
0: yeah I mean it's just I think what I like about the characters it's so different from how silence not Patrol*. He he does go insane during it is probably the best way to put it or maybe not you don't know he starts getting visions which well I'm not going to spoil the ending but you, for a lot of it you're trying to work out if they're real or not and um He's also, he does have a humanity to himself. He's haunted by the things he gets wrong. He didn't, he, um, basically he got seduced by a woman who ends up, you find out later, is a Cylon to le- program a backdoor into the secu- the colonial security system which allows the attacks on Caprica and the other colonies to happen. And um, that does haunt him for the rest of the series and he, he feels guilty about it. I can't remember if they ever actually find out or he lets on to that, but it's certainly something he's accused of a lot of times.
3: I guess it's worth mentioning that characters going a bit crazy in Battlestar is not exactly unusual.
0: Yeah, I mean, locked on board a ship with with uh, with the last few remaining—is it ten thousand human beings or something around that number left? Maybe fifty thousand, but it's not many. And um, and
3: yet he still finds time to just basically be a really just—he's he's he's still incredibly selfish, even when he's you know supposedly you know the brains behind the continuing of the human race.
0: Yeah, and then there's also quite interesting that he ends up leading a government at one point because they find a planet to settle, and that's very interesting and the thing I like about that isn't it's one that he's put under pressure to do things which are absolutely unacceptable, but you they then try him for his crimes later, and that's very interesting to see was he guilty or wasn't he who had the blame and who didn't and there's also the fact that it's this was done during the Iraq war definitely and it's probably the only thing I've seen at so t v which really tackled the concept of suicide bombing well well
3: yeah it's kind of a it's kind of a touchy subject, I guess, and it's people are afraid to go down that road
0: yeah I mean there may be things you do or don't disagree with how they portrayed it, but they actually went there and they actually tried to portray it from the oppressed person's side, which I thought was a brave thing to do. Um, maybe well was wrong, but they did, they actually tried, and um, that that's one of the things that stuck me with the movie um and yeah if you haven't seen it I highly recommend watching the whole thing from start to finish there's a bit of a middle that me and Will both feel lost the plot slightly they got a bit obsessed with a, a religion they invented um, but that once that calms down I certainly really enjoyed it and I enjoyed the ending and that bit of music we just played was um, obviously a cover of All Along the Watchtower by Bear McCree Keery
3: Bear McCreary, yeah
0: yeah he's done a lot of soundtracks and um, yeah it, it is a great finale to the um, entire thing
3: yeah, I think that, that, that's towards the end of the third season. But, yeah, he, but Bear McCreary does the soundtrack to, I think, the second series onwards. Um, but mostly it's sort of typical kind of movie fare. You know, it's kind of... It's, it's all instrumental. But for that one, he, just, you know, he he's, he's actually, in, in his spare time, rather than being a TV music composer, he's actually a you know, rock musician. So I guess he just decided, hey, I really like this song. Let's go with it.
0: Yeah, so um, without further ado, we'll go to um, Will's first choice. OK. And, um... Yeah, I I don't know. Will, Will you beat me with this? This is the Science of Fiction, and that was a great piece. I I couldn't bring myself to go and put on a CamFM logo after the end of that.
3: Yeah, that was um, The Tree of Life uh, by Clint Van from the soundtrack to The Fountain, directed by Aronofsky. Um, If anyone listened last week, um, you'll notice a similarity to the track from the Moon soundtrack. Same composer. Um, But yeah, so if um, the... The premise of um the fountain is is set in you know the 1500s and in the present day and in an unspecified time in the future and it stars this it stars Hugh Jackman as uh in the past Thomas a conquistador who travels to um South America on you know a, a quest by Isabella, the queen of Spain in the present day it's uh tommy um and in the future there's uh Tom who's a kind of a space meditating astronaut flying through space in a bubble um the most, yeah, the, the so the, the scientist part of this is the present day uh, Tommy. He's um, he's a biologist of some of some nature, um, and he's he's trying desperately to find the cure for his wife, um, and he's he just gets complete, completely obsessed with it. And the film's very much it's, it's a really quite a bleak film, really.
0: Uh, well, he's so obsessed with trying to find a cure, he's not actually spending any time with his dying wife, which is the tragedy of the story. Is that she just wants him to give up and. Spend their last few hours together, well, days, weeks. We don't know how long she's got left to live.
3: Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a nice study on you know hope and desperation and so on. I actually don't think. I mean, as as a film, it's absolutely beautiful, and the soundtrack is really intense. It's um, performed by the Kronos Quartets and Mogwai, everyone's favourite Scottish post rock band. Um, and the idea is really interesting, but I don't think the film really kind of hit the nail on the head at all for for in terms of being a good film. It's yeah, visually great, and the plot's interesting, but I'm not. It doesn't really hang together that well for me. Um,
0: it's especially the future one is just a bit of art. It doesn't go anywhere. He sits there meditating for most of it and eats a bit of bark. Yeah, that pretty much summarizes about one third of the film.
3: But um, I mean, that, in, that that part even is, is interesting in, in its own right because um, this for Ar- Aronofsky wanted to set out to make special effects that wouldn't age. Um, so, he, um, so he commissioned someone to, to do extreme close-ups of um, like chemical processes on slides, and he used those rather than standard computer-generated special effects for the bubbles in space. Uh, and, yeah, it's, the result is absolutely stunning. Um, I just kind of wish it'd spent a little longer on the film itself.
0: Yeah, well, I, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I would feel comfortable recommending it to anyone who doesn't want to sit down and sort of ogle at a movie for a while.
3: Uh, yeah, Unfortunately I kind of did I, I, had, I had an army of like 15 people watching it on my recommendation And I hadn't seen it before um, I think I enjoyed it more, more than most of they did But hey what can you do
0: Okay well that So yeah do send in who you think's currently winning In this grudge match of our movie TV scientists And um, yeah I think I've got an absolutely great bit of music coming up And I, I don't think Will's going to be able to argue this It's
4: a god awful small affair but she's lived it ten times or more. She could
1: spit in the eyes of fools,
4: 'Cause I wrote it ten times or more. It's about
1: to be written again. As I ask you to vote for some sailors in the dance hall. Oh man, look at those cavemen girls It's a freakier show. Take a look at them
2: Cambridge your station your FM.
0: so that was life on Mars by David Bowie. I think you probably recognize that song, especially after the TV series of the same name which uses a theme tune and yeah, I chose that one because there 's a movie called the Prestige, and the movie is about two competing magicians. Um, one of them, again, is played by Hugh Jackman, and I, I just want to make it clear, because I realised half of a song that we're about to do two Hugh Jackman movies in a row, that we don't have a massive passion for Hugh Jackman in any particular way, and we're not going to end the show on the X-Men or anything, don't worry. Um, so, yeah, this character, Robert Angier, uh, is played by Hugh Jackman, and in his rivalry with a fellow uh, magician, he gets the other magician's notebook and ends up being sent on a journey to find Tesla. And Tesla is a famous scientist, and in this movie he's played by David Bowie, hence why I played Life on Mars. And, um, which is a brilliant, I think, a brilliant piece of acting by him. He comes across this really eccentric scientist, which is exactly what Tesla was meant to be. And, um, he asked Tesla to build him a teleportation device.
3: Yeah, the, um, I've, I've, I didn't even know that it was that the barrier was, was in this film, and, you know, Tes, Tesla strides out, and, I mean, I'm. Maybe I'm not really recognizing people. But I couldn't. It took me a really long time to put my finger on who, like, who it was. It's like, wow, you know, this is a really like he he he, he plays the part of this you know slightly unhinged um, again you know tortured genius uh, kind of character.
0: Yeah, and the thing I loved was um, I suppose it's cheating a bit to use a real scientist in our movie scientist competition, but he he just had a wonderful sense of character. The obviously that he never did invent teleportation, but in the movie, there's a lot about it. And it's just the way he goes about it and the way they walk up to this site in Colorado Springs. And um, he's got all the lights outside lit by his wireless power, which is one of the things that conspiracy theorists get really big about, is the fact that he supposedly invented wireless power, which he did, but it's not as good as the conspiracy theorists like. It's not free energy for all. That would break the laws of thermodynamics for a start. But it's also, it doesn't have the range you'd want. But there are things you can do uh, from the inventions like the tesla coil and um if you actually have one of those in a room they fart these things that fire massive sparks across the room uh good look on youtube if you want to see one there are some people who have i say very talented people making these things but also putting their lives at risk
3: they, they do stuff like Play the Super Mario theme Using a Tesla coil Yeah uh, Which is you know pr- Pretty crazy I mean it's the kind of thing Which you know Students at MIT or wherever I guess maybe Maybe Cambridge is full of these people I don't know um, Who have you know Way too much time on their hands what, Access to way too many you know, lab, lab apparatus things And decide Okay you know What would be great Let's make a massive ball of electricity That sounds great
0: I would have to admit As a teenager I did try building one Well how, how successful was it? it It failed totally actually It's quite hard to build one Because they need to be um, There's two coils in them They need to resonate And um yeah, it's quite hard for me to make it resonate. I was being quite careful; I didn't want to kill myself. And most of the ones that people build w- would kill you,
3: and also probably get the um, you know your neighbours and the power board a bit, bit angry with you if you make it work.
0: Yeah, but one of the cool things is even if you build a one which doesn't work very well as I did because it didn't spark at all really, uh, is if you hold a fluorescent tube anywhere near it, they turn on all by themselves. Well, because
3: this is the, what's interesting about his character in this film, uh, which is, it's based on a book by uh, Christopher Priest, which I'm ashamed to say I haven't read. Maybe I should read it. Um, but he. Um, so so someone's writing in lots of messages in kind of garbage. Uh, maybe they want to work on that. Anyway, but, um, yeah, so but, so obviously inventing a teleportation device is crazy, but he actually did invent a lot of really, really, like, ridiculous things that didn't quite work. So, you know, it's... He, he, it's not as far-fetched, you know. He, he actually is this cr- this mad scientist character who did create things. He, he really fits perfectly in the plot.
0: And one of the confusing things is about him is when Tesla did his lectures, he would insist on having a massive Tesla coil at the back of the lectures, firing electricity away, which terrified the audience. And he insisted on this despite being what was thought of as quite a recluse and quiet person. It was such a contradiction of character that most of the real person. Um, but one of his greatest successes was. He and Edison had a really big scientific route over DC versus AC power. Now, DC power is what you get from your batteries and your torches and stuff like that, so it's got a positive and negative, and AC's power is what you get down the mains, which is alternating current. And alternating current fluctuates between positive and negative at, well, in the UK, at 50 times a second. And this is really has some really big implications. And what... Um, Edison felt was that DC was much more useful because it could power motors and things like that at the time. You can get AC motors, but this was in the past. Uh, Whereas Tesla pointed out that AC could travel a lot further over wires, and that's why we use AC today, is it gets down the power cables much better. And that was a really important thing in the development of electricity to the home, was the use of AC. And I think even Edison regretted him arguing so strongly against Tesla for such a long time.
3: Which is yeah, it's and, and, and there was this whole like era of um, innovators who were you know bit bitterly vying against each other, which is really c- counter to how people expect you know the, the world of science to be, which is kind of sad
0: anyway, so we've got two songs now coming up, the first one is one that will found uh, about Nikola Tesla, which will be awesome, I'm sure um, and the one after that will be um well it will be will's next scientist, I guess uh, maybe yours. Maybe mine. Okay, we'll go for one of mine again. I I get ahead here. Okay. One, two, four, five,
2: six, seven. I met Nikola Tesla in a diner in New York. He was eating cotton candy in the dark. He sat down at his table and I asked him for a light. When his eyes met mine, I thought I felt a spark. His glance was like an x ray and he looked began to boil It was the 24th of March He had a really cute mustache And then he kissed me in an alley And I felt my inside coil Pickin' a Tesla I wish you'd invent her 97.2. 97.2. Your music. Your Cam FM. That's great. It starts
5: with an earthquake. Birds and snakes an airplane. Linny and aeroplane. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I am a hurricane. Listen to yourself,
2: Two. CamFM.co.uk, your station, your
0: CamFM. Right, that was the end of the worlds we know it by REM, preceded by Nikola Tesla by Eight in Eight. Um, we're happy for you to send any more suggestions in. Anything you want to say, do it via the online player, uh, the little box so you can type in your messages. You can also catch the webcam there. And if you ask us to do something, because I know it's pointing at the back of our heads, we'll, we'll try and keep you happy. And Will's just waving at it for you. I try. Uh, there's also, of course, Twitter. You can contact us on as at Think Outreach or via the Facebook page, facebook.com/thinkoutreach. And um, yeah, I think we'll want to say a bit more about that eight and eight track in case people don't know who they are.
3: Well, yeah, it's a um, it was a collaboration between Amanda Palmer from uh, Dresden Dolls, uh, Ben Folds of, well, Ben Folds fame. Uh, Damien Kulash from OK Go, which you might recognise from the, the video of, like, four people on um, s- um, walking machines at the gym, like, sliding in and out of each other.
0: Which uh, has been parodied a unreasonable number of times in adverts.
3: Well, absolutely, but, like, the, 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 a- a- OK Go's entire thing is, you know, is trying to, like, p- pitch themselves to the internet generation and so on. They don't have, they don't have a label and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, actually, the, the fourth person in the 8 and 8 group is uh, Neil Gaiman, everyone's favourite uh, fantasy author, who's now married to Amanda Palmer, which was a surprise. Um oh. That's weird. It's, it was surprising, you know. But yeah, this was. But they, they had a thing where they were trying to record eight songs in eight days, and they put a, a call out on Twitter for people to say their favorite scientist. And a ton of people said Nikola Tesla. So they wrote a song about, you know, Tesla's, you know, scientific rivalries, and um, and and also how much Amanda Palmer loves him, which was, you know, a thing. Yeah. Um, they also have a really it was a really good track sung by Neil Gaiman about uh, Joan of Arc, which I really recommend listening to. The album's all free online, so it's yeah, it's called Nighty Night by Eight in Eight.
0: I did not know Neil Gaiman could sing.
3: Uh, well, he kind of—he's kind of a gr- gruff. He's not really a singer, but he—he ha- he, he can hold a note, you know. Better than Amanda Palmer. A lot better than Amanda Palmer.
0: Okay, that's good news. Right, so yeah, why did I play "The End of the World as We Know It" by R.E.M.? Well, there's an obvious reason, and it's not because we just survived the Rapture. It is because Independence Day, and um, that's a movie rather than the American festival. And in that movie. There is a character called David Levinson, and I have to admit I had to look that up because I didn't reme- remember the character, but I did remember the actor, who's Jeff Goldblum. What else has J- Jeff Goldblum done? Oh, so he's is. You put me on the spot. And I can't remember. You must know what you get. Well, no,
3: to. I, I actually don't know. It's, it's strange because I, I recognise the name, and whenever I like was talking to people about you know sci- scientists in movies, everyone said Jeff Goldblum. They don't know, the, they don't know the, name, the name of the character. A lot of them can't remember the name of the film. It's like, oh, it's that film with, like, the aliens and stuff. But they can all remember Jeff Goldblum's name. And I'd never heard of him. But, I mean, the name is familiar to me. I don't really know why.
0: I'm pretty sure he's in Jurassic Park. Uh, he's in The Fly,
3: everyone's favourite uh, cult, uh, I guess, okay. sci-fi horror In, in case you're wondering,
0: we haven't just suddenly remembered stuff we, I've used for power of internet.
3: It's a magical thing. So, really. yeah,
0: I was right. He's in Jurassic Park. He's in Independence Day. And um, he's in The Fly, as you said. Um, there's probably more here, but it's probably going to take too long to go through all of them. Um, but yeah, he's he's supporting actor, I guess, to a lot of things. Oh, he's in *Willing Grace. Amazing. Yeah. But So w- w- what does this character get up to in the film? Well, I picked him because I think, bizarrely, he's actually, despite the movie being about an alien invasion and the US saving the world. Sorry if that spoils it for you, but you probably S- should have watched it by now. Spoiler alert, independence happens. <laughs> um, but... He solves a problem because they get the interference on the on the TV systems, and he works out that it's a countdown. And he also works out that if you need to communicate around the Earth on the Earth some way, you need uh, satellites to relay the sound around. Sorry, sound around the um, communications around. And he twigs that this countdown is the countdown to their destruction, rather than the countdown to them saying hello, because you wouldn't count down to say hello. And that's actually quite conceivable because he never actually worked out what the message was. He just worked out what the message was a clock, and I th- I think that's um, really go- I think that's just a really good way of showing our ability on t- alien intelligence.
3: Yeah, it, it's, it's nice because there's no like completely fantastical leaps. There are some very there are completely ridiculous like pseudo scientific fantastical leaps at other bo- uh, leaps at other points in the film. But that part is actually you know he, there there is some evidence and he like analyzes the evidence and he comes to a reasonable conclusion, which is kind of a nice touch.
0: Thank you for the person who emailed in to tell us that Jeff Goldblum was in Independence Day. We're talking about Independence Day. I hope we made that clear.
3: Yeah, so, so was, this, was, this, was The End of the World as we know it actually in the film?
0: I believe it was in the film. It was on the soundtrack, if it
3: wasn't. Which is not always necessarily... Um, in fact, there are lots of films with stuff on the soundtrack which is not in the film, and lots of films with stuff on the film which is not in the soundtrack.
0: It, might, it sometimes means it was on some poor guy's radio before he got annihilated. But, yeah, so going back to in a, back on the, topic, the thing about um, Jeff's character is he ends up talking to the president because his wife works in the White House. It's not due to any magical, he is a superhero scientist. He's just a normal bumbling computer guy. Um, I think the only thing which is depressing is when they actually go to wipe out the aliens. They somehow seem to be able to write a computer virus on a standard laptop for alien technology, which...
3: Spoiler alert, magic, magic computer science happens.
0: Magic computer science happens. But it also has Will Smith, and I quite like Will Smith movies.
3: I'm kind of into into minds about it. I, I've, there's a lot of films which I which I've gone to see which have Will Smith in them, which I assume would be terrible. For example, um, I Robot, and it was not the best film, but it wasn't you know, it wasn't the worst film ever. I was kind of you know surprised. So, <laughs> In Pursuit of Happiness, I quite liked. Yeah, and I'm t- I'm told that I Am Legend is good, which is um, yeah another a- adaptation of a classic sci-fi novel that actually has nothing to do with the sci-fi novel, much like uh, I Robot, really.
0: I very very nearly had I Am Legend in my list of top scientists because he's a. He plays a very good scientist. That. Apart from the fact that annoys me, that he can single-handedly cure a disease that no one else in the entire world seems to be able to do.
3: Well, you know, I guess. Is it, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a limit to how many other people there are in the world to help him cure this disease.
0: That is definitely true. Um, yeah. So I've just suddenly realised I don't actually know if we have your next track lined up. I think we do. Is it already? I think it is. Brilliant. I'm glad someone's on the ball. I'm certainly not. Now let's make sure I start the right CD player. So, yep, here is um, Will's next track. And let us know who you think is doing better.
2: Cambridge, your station, your Cam FM.
0: Well, that was Will's choice,
3: so I'm going to leave him to explain that one. Well, yeah, so that was, um, well, from the from the lines of the song, you might have guessed it was called "I Built Myself a Metal Bird." I've had my metal bird, the wings of other metal birds. Uh, That was actually kind of an excerpt of it. The the full thing is like 12 minutes long. It's by, on this album, they were called I think the Silver Mount Zion Memorial Orchestra. So, it's a Canadian post rock collect- collective, and the, it's best known as a side project of Godspeed You Black Emperor, which leads to the very tenuous link to the topic because um, Godspeed You Black Emperor's song, East Hastings, features in everyone's favorite zombie movie 28 Days Later.
0: Which I happened to sit down and watch just this morning to actually understand this Link. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a really good film, which I really,
3: really recommend. Um, actually, it's kind of similar in many ways to uh, I Am Legend, um, which, I, which I haven't seen, but I read the book. And it's, yeah, it's, it's got many similarities. But at the very start of the film, um, someone, someone reminded me the other day, I forget their name, um, that um, there's a scientist character who doesn't even have a name, and he features for about the first you know, minute or two of the film and it involves, you know, uh, animal rights activism gone wrong um, and they release this, like, d- this beast with a, d- a disease and it ends up with this scientist trying to beat someone to death with a chair and then the film just cuts to 28 days later. So there's so this is unnamed character played by David Schneider. I looked him up on um, Wikipedia and he turns out to have been the bit character in lots of films including the, Euros- the Eurostar train driver in Mission Impossible.
0: That, that, when he got cast that, he must be thinking, yes, I'm in there.
3: And yet, it's another unspeaking role.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. But yeah, he's th- is is an actor who I recognise the name of, despite the fact he has nothing I really know of.
3: He seems to be very popular on Twitter, which I suppose is, you know, the, the, a modern-day, you know, in life.
0: Yeah, well, isn't, there's some of these actors who go around who just get a massive following for their small part acting.
3: I guess the c- canonical example of that is uh, Will Beaton, who was, like, a really annoying child actor in some sci-fi show. It was
0: um, Star Trek The Next Generation, and he played a character called Wesley Crusher. Okay. I yes. will thank my father for that education. I am
3: in your awe, but um, yeah, he, and he's now like a really successful blogger and like speaker and writer. Um, I don't know
0: how that happened.
3: I, he, he, I, don't, I don't think he's really done anything apart from like raise a family and have some kids and stuff, you know, and you know, give some talks and write some blog posts, and he's really popular.
0: And he, he's a regular on the Big Bang Theory quite often as an evil character. Oh yeah, 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 and like he has this big rivalry with Sheldon. So that's more likely where you'll see him, or and if you're not watching um, reruns of Star Trek: The Next Generation. So, that was, your scientist there was the guy who beat someone to death with a chair at the beginning of 28 Days Later.
3: Yeah, and then, and then there's. Uh, I'm told in the film version of uh, I Am Legend, there's a similar, well, not really so much of the beating to death with a chair, but there's a, um, a scientist who appears at the very start of the film, again, for about two or three minutes, and she doesn't have a name, and, like, she's involved in, like, setting the premise for the film, and then is never seen again.
0: Oh, yeah, she's the one who claims to have cured cancer by making, I think it's cancer anyway, by making a virus, which you can um, cure people with which actually isn't that far fetched oh really Uh, yeah phage therapies um, existed a long time ago phage would be a virus that can kill bacteria phage is a virus that will attack a bacteria so that's how you can cure bacterial infections with them but antibiotics kind of solve that problem Uh, but the other one is things like gene therapy And that's where you use a virus to rewrite the DNA of the person to cure whatever disease they have. So if they've got cystic fibrosis, you can repair the error in their DNA to cure cystic fibrosis. And in theory, you could make a virus which would correct the error in the DNA that's causing cancer to be cancerous.
3: Huh, so that that's that's, sounds like the kind of theory where it, it's entirely plausible and could well work, but the devil's going to be in the details, surely.
0: Yeah, and um, the, the idea of making a horrific disease is something that people working on these virally delivered gene therapies. They do a lot of work to make sure they're safe. So the one which I think has been trialed for Parkinson's at the moment is um, made using a lot of the AIDS genes, but it's put into a, a, uh, the same capsule as the common cold. And that means, since it's such a smaller particle size, so that it can't mutate because it then won't fit in.
3: Oh, interesting. So they've, so they've, they've built in safeguards in case the, it sort of reverts to its you know, its original, like, cataclysmically deadly form.
0: Well, it can't revert because it okay. doesn't have a lot of the genes left. A lot of those genes have been cut out. But the reason they need to use AIDS is because Parkinson's is in nerve cells, and nerve cells... Um, they don't divide very often, or if at all, once you reach a certain age. So you need a virus to get into a- into nerve cells, which are these non-dividing cells, and only A's can do that. Well, mm. amongst the others, most things have to go into dividing cells.
3: Whereas, whereas there happens to be this... So this is, this, this is kind of a n- nice uh, you know, symmetry. You've got, you've got this you know, t- terrible, terrible virus which is affecting a lot of people around the world, but it might actually be used to save a whole, a whole other group of people.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting topic. Okay, um so I think it's my turn again on the c d s now and um i I think we should get a lot of feedback from listeners, as you also mentioned that the um person who's one person who's been messaging us from Damascus in arabic neither,
3: uh, neither of us speak Arabic, so uh, sorry um I'm sure what you're saying is really great, but I and
0: meant- we're fairly sure it isn't spam because it's only started coming in during the show um so yeah, we'd love to hear what you've got to say uh it might just be something wrong with our computer, but um. Yeah. We'd love to know what you're saying. So, l- writing a language we understand. We, I think we know between us some French, some English. I think English would be best. English would be best. Okay. And that, of course, was The Power of Love by Huey Lewis. And the news, or with no news?
3: With the news. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if he performed with or without the news at, any, at various points in his
0: life. Perhaps he did. I actually don't know. I had to go and buy it off iTunes today because I didn't have a copy of it. Well, well
3: done for respecting people's um, intellectual property rights.
0: Oh, of course I do. We don't pirate music on this show. And um, anyway, so if you didn't guess, because I've kind of assumed you know what movie that's from, but a few of you might be still be scratching your head. It is, of course, Back to the Future. And one of my number two favorite scientists, Doc Brown. He,
3: he's yeah, he definitely takes all the boxes for stereotypical scientists in a film, right? He's crazy,
0: he's mad, but he's just lovable.
3: And also, like slightly, slightly uh, racially insensitive. Is that more to do with the era it was filmed in? Or? I think so. I think it's probably just a you know era of like who people were scared of at the time. Although I suppose actually it's topical now.
0: Though so I did always wonder in the first movie how he was it the Libyans he managed to get nuclear material off. I think so That, that was the weirdest part Going back and watching it when you are a bit older You just ignored the whole nuclear material stuff But the Libyan's come up an awful lot in that movie
3: I've got to say that um, It's not really a film where I think internal consistency And making much sense is pretty high In their priorities
0: Oh no and it's, it's great fun And um, yeah I don't think they were going for scientific accuracy I don't think a DeLorean can even achieve 88 miles an hour
3: It's unlikely I think at best
0: it was rather much of a failed sports car So we're not going to spend too much time on that Because I know the show's coming to an end soon And Will's got well, at least one more track to play it? Just the one Just the one So um, Yeah, see if you can recognise where this is from Yeah, do send it in And um, to the people who are using Google Translate It doesn't cope with Arabic apparently
3: Welcome back. That was uh, Buggin' by The Flaming Lips, and you may recognise it from being, I think, in the second uh, Austin Powers movie, which of course features everyone's favourite historically accurate scientist, Dr. Evil.
0: Who has a degree in evil, doesn't he? Something like that. PhD in evil. Where was it from? The University of Evil. I'm not actually sure. Plausible answer. I'm I'm kind of ashamed to say that's actually the
3: first time I'd ever heard The Flaming Lips, uh, which is kind of maybe embarrassing, I'm not sure.
0: Is it The Flaming Lips who did the concept album that needed four CDs and four CD players at the same time? Exactly the one. It's called
3: Zyrica. And you have four CDs and you put your four CD players in different corners of the room and you have to play them all and press play at the same time. And it has little announcements at the start to help you sync them up. And then the the idea is that the CDs kind of drift out of sync with each other, so each performance is unique.
0: That's just... Bizarre. It's
3: fun. Like it's it's a really good excuse to throw a party uh, with the kind of people who really like you know playing four CDs four D's at the same time for entertainment.
0: You you have to be a certain type of person to have that type of friend. I have lots of that type of friend. That's brilliant. Well, as I say, we're really close to running out of time here. So, um, well, I'm going to think I'm going to have to finish up now. But uh, I didn't get to play my final track and that was cleaning up the town by the busboys, but that was because of Ghostbusters, who I think are probably the best movie scientists.
3: I can't argue with that. I think you've probably won the battle with that one alone.
0: Um, I mean, they all have PhDs. There are parapsychologists, which is not a great field to be in these days. It's certainly size not once what it was. We certainly of kill that field off. But anonymous psychology does still exist, and um, there's a guy called Professor Chris French, if you ever get a chance to see. Um, I think he's from Goldsmiths, and he gives lectures on anonymous psychology explaining why people think they're abducted or why people have out-of-body experiences and it's really interesting field and um of course the ghost butters, unlike professor chris french do the great job of running around town cleaning up ghosts
3: of course you should if you're a cambridge-based person you should also come and see uh why aren't ghosts naked
0: yes we were talking about that that's course at the end of july um, but m- sooner than that, I'm doing science at the Ca- hands-on science at the Cambridge Beer Festival. So do come along. That'll be on Friday, I think it's in the sort of, before the not the morning slot, sort of afternoon slot. And um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. It's all kitchen science, all stuff you can do at home. Uh, go and try and see if I can get something to blow up if they'll let me. It might be a health and safety nightmare. And then of course next Sunday we've got our next show and we have got Frank Swain, the Science Punkin, I believe, then, and we'll be doing the science of zombies. Which I guess
3: ties in well with uh, Twenty Eight Days Later and Friends yep.
0: from today. So yeah, Frank's got. I don't. I think he hasn't finished writing it yet, but he's on the way to writing a book all about zombies, and uh, he'll be talking about real life zombies as well as presumably helping us out and having some fun with other zombies. So look forward to um, hear, hearing from you next week when you email in and do let us know any feedback from us. Um, thank you. Bye bye.